Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Let's jump into Life Verse 2019. The life of Jesus is an extraordinary study. When you think about what he did and what he said, his birth and death and resurrection and ascension to heaven, all of these things have profoundly marked Christians. As we think about all of that, the life of Jesus, it has profoundly marked Christians. But I think a great argument can be made that the life of Jesus has profoundly impacted non-Christians as well. Many focus on the words of Jesus, what he said. And Jesus said quite a bit. Christians focus on the words of Jesus and even non-Christians focus on the words of Jesus in hopes of understanding who was this man. We call the words of Jesus the red letters. And that's because in some copies of the Bible you will find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, you will find the words of Jesus in red. And that is so that they are easily identifiable. When you're flipping through scripture, it's like, oh, wow, there's the words of Jesus. And we like to focus in on them. And that's a good thing. It really is. And Jesus said quite a bit. There's no doubt. But let's not forget, all of the Bible contains the words of Jesus. All of the Bible contains the words of Jesus, and that's why we look at all of it. Now, why would I say that? All of the Bible contains the words of Jesus. Well, there are two reasons, and this will shape a bit of our time today. One of the reasons is that Jesus affirmed the entirety of the Old Testament. That's what he did. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Jesus also affirmed the accurate recording of the New Testament, which is somewhat fascinating because when Jesus was here, there was no New Testament. It hadn't been recorded yet. It was written shortly after Jesus rose again and ascended and returned to heaven. But when Jesus was here speaking and teaching and healing and helping and doing all of that, there was no New Testament, but he uniquely points to what is to come and affirmed its accuracy. And we'll talk about that as well. So Jesus affirmed the entirety of the Old Testament and he also affirmed the accuracy of what was to come, the New Testament. I think it's really important that we consider this because the view Jesus had of Scripture, I believe should shape and inform our view of Scripture as well. I just think those two things kind of work together. So let's go back to these reasons and think about them. Reason number one, Jesus affirmed the entirety of the Old Testament. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Matthew chapter 5. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels. I'm going to begin reading with verse 17. What we find here is that Jesus is giving a sermon. It's probably the greatest sermon that's ever been given because it's Jesus talking and he is sharing some incredible things. You can read the Sermon on the Mount 
in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, and I would encourage you to do that at some point. It's a tremendous sermon. Well, here's what Jesus says. So these are red letters. Matthew's recording this, but these are the words of Jesus. And here's what he says in verse 17. Don't misunderstand why I, Jesus, have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. The law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. Let's pause there for a moment. Do you see those two phrases? The law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. Do you see that? Shake your head so I know you're with me. Okay, scholars believe and teach that the law of Moses and the writings of the prophets refers to the entirety of the Old Testament. So when those phrases are used, we're talking about all of it. And here's Jesus saying, hey, everybody, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the Old Testament or the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. He goes on to say this, no, I came to accomplish their purpose. And then verse 18 says, I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. And Jesus is affirming here that even the smallest letter the smallest detail of the Old Testament, he's affirming that it will happen and it will be fulfilled. Really an extraordinary statement from Jesus, affirming the law of Moses and the writings of the prophets and every detail, every letter, every small little thing, it will be fulfilled. I think it's kind of interesting how if you turn to chapter four, just back one chapter, you read about the temptation of Jesus. And in that chapter, Jesus has a conversation with Satan, which is kind of like, wow, (laughs) can can you imagine Jesus and Satan having a conversation? Well, they had one and it's recorded for us. And what Satan does is he comes to Jesus in an effort to tempt him to sin so that he could detour him from his mission of dying on the cross and paying for our sins, for the sins of the world, and rising again, conquering death, assuring us that we could have a forever friendship with God the Father. Satan's trying to tempt him. And every time Satan would do that in this conversation, Jesus would refute him with Old Testament scripture. He quoted from Deuteronomy, from Psalm, from Isaiah, in this conversation. All things that pointed to Jesus himself. And what you find in the red letters of Jesus is he was often quoting the Old Testament. Jesus affirmed with his life, with his words, with what he said, he affirmed the Old Testament. Now, he also affirmed the accurate recording of the New Testament, and I want to encourage you now to turn to John's Gospel and chapter 14. So Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. It presents 
Jesus as king. If you turn to the right, you find the book of Mark, another gospel, and red letters of Jesus. And Mark presents Jesus as a servant. If you turn to the right a little bit more, you come to Luke's gospel, and Dr. Luke presents Jesus as the son of man. Uniquely as a doctor, he focused in on his humanity. Remarkable. And then if you turn to the gospel I'm going to read from here, John, you find that John presents Jesus as the son of God. Very important. So John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to some people again, and he says this. But when the Father, when God the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. So the advocate and the Holy Spirit, same person. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So God the Father will send the advocate or God the Holy Spirit and he will remind you, he's talking to his followers, he's going to remind you of everything that I have shared with you. This conversation continues. When you turn to chapter 16, Jesus then says in verse 12, you know what? There's so much more that I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, when the advocate, when God, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the father is mine. This is why I said The Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Okay, what does all of this mean, right? We've got Jesus having conversations with his followers. You've got the advocate. You've got God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. All of this seems a little strange and weird. Well, here's the deal. Jesus, he's talking to his close followers. And he looks at them and says, at some point, I'm going to die, paying for the sins of the world, I will rise again, conquering death, and then I will ascend and return to heaven. And the disciples didn't always like hearing that because they liked Jesus. Life on life, they were friends. They attached themselves to him and to the cause. And now Jesus is saying, I'm out of here (laughs) a little bit. I'm, I'm leaving earth, going back to heaven. I'm gone. But, but don't worry because Here's what God the Father is going to do. In my place, he's going to send the advocate. He's going to send God the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus had this conversation, here's what he says that's amazing. God the Holy Spirit would give accurate recall to those who would write these New Testament books so that we can know what we hold in our hands is exactly what God wants us to have. Really a remarkable statement here. I'm going away, but God is going to send the Holy Spirit and he will help you recall what I said and what I did so that you will accurately portray and write exactly what God wants you to write. With these words, Jesus is affirming what is to come, the New Testament books. So two thinking points regarding Jesus in scripture. He affirmed the entirety of the Old Testament and he also affirmed what was to come, the New Testament. Why is this important? (laughs) Why are we taking time to think about 
Jesus in Scripture. It's probably not a surprise that Jesus likes it. That probably doesn't shock anyone. Why are we thinking through this? Well, if Jesus had a high view of Scripture, if he knew it, used it, quoted it, it makes good sense that those who follow him would do the same, right? That just makes good sense. If scripture was important to Jesus and he had a high value on it, affirming the Old Testament and affirming what was to come, if he knew it and read it and quoted it, it just makes good sense that those who follow him would do the same. Author and theologian Paul Enns states it this way, an obvious conclusion is that Jesus Christ held a very high view of scripture affirming its inspiration in the entire Old Testament, the various books, the precise words, the actual letters. And he pointed to the inspiration of the New Testament. Ought his view of the Bible not be the standard? Is it legitimate to hold a lower view of scripture than he held? (laughs) I think that's a fascinating question. Is it legitimate to hold a lower view of scripture than Jesus? Church, listen for just a moment. It's a new year. It's a new year, and that is a beautiful thing. We all get a fresh start. I can't think of a better way to start this year than by looking to something that Jesus loved and valued and treasured and saying, I'm going to find a verse or two to anchor my soul for the next 359-ish days. That's what I'm going to do. Scripture mattered to Jesus. It should matter to us as well. Do we always understand it? No. Is it complexing and even disturbing at times? Yes, it is. Do we naturally run to it and say, I want to spend time in the word of God? Probably not. Do we always like it? No. But words of life, words of life, and so we wrestle with it and we seek to understand and in that we find the mind of God and purpose for living and it's why we've chosen here at Valley Point to start the year by saying, let's get back to this, let's center on Christ and find some words to help us for a new year. Okay, all of that well, I'm just into my introduction so far. <laughs> All of that, here's our big idea, okay? So take out your talk notes and let's fill in some blanks. Jesus loved scripture. He loved scripture and so I should follow his example. Jesus loved it. He loved scripture and so I should follow his example. I wanna get really practical here and Talk about the how of loving scripture. Because how do you do that? Again, I don't think it comes natural. Like, you know, let me read something and boy, I I just love that. Sometimes it's odd and strange and we don't understand context and culture because it's an ancient book. And so how, how do I, how do I love this? How do I love it and follow the example of Jesus? I wanna share three steps all of us can take 
This is not new information for everyone. If you've been a part of Life Verse in the past, you've probably heard this. Hopefully it's refreshing and a good reminder. If you've never heard this before, then I would encourage you, package all of this and begin thinking about how you can follow the example of Jesus and love scripture. First of all, pick a place. Pick a place. And and here's what I mean by that. Where will you read scripture? Or perhaps you'll pick up a journal or something that will help you get into scripture, whatever that looks like for you. Where will you read? This sounds really simple, but I have found it to be so helpful to have a place. I refer to this as chair time. Like, there's my chair, a sacred place where I read some words from God and, and seek to understand him and then do that. And what I try to do is I, I try to leave out my Bible, my journal, all the tools I use. I try to leave it out so that when I walk by the chair, it like calls to me. Oh, hey, you've missed me for a day. The chair talks to me. It, it does. And maybe they'll do the same thing. It's like, well, you know, you've missed a week. Like, you know, come on, get back. And it, it pulls me in, and I think that's a great thing. The chair itself holds me accountable, as strange as that may seem. A place is helpful, a special place. This, this is where I hear from God. So pick a place. Now, I want you to add to that, pick a plan, a scripture reading plan. I have found that without an intentional plan, it's probably not going to happen because it's an intimidating book. And where do you start? And how do you even approach this? A plan will help. If you've never had a scripture reading plan, let me submit to you, consider taking five minutes, three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you pick your place and you put your Bible there or your reading material. And we'll talk about some of those things in just a moment. You put it there and you take five minutes on those three days. And just watch what God does with that 15 minutes of time. And if you've been doing this for a while, then grow your time. Maybe you need to add a little bit or add another resource to your time with God. Enhance your plan a little bit so that you're deepening your friendship with God. But I think it's important that we pick a plan. So let's talk about plans. One of the things we did a few years ago is we put together a list of helpful life verses. And this sheet is available for you to pick up at the Just For You table. And if you're not sure about a plan, then I would just start here. We have pulled all kinds of verses that have been helpful for people in the past. And as you read through this with your chair time, there might be something that just kind of jumps into your heart. Like, how about this one? James 1.5. If you need wisdom, okay, does anybody need wisdom in the new year? Like every hand should be up. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. Well, that's great, isn't it? He will not rebuke you for asking. I don't know what you're facing in the new year, but maybe you need wisdom. Maybe there's a big decision coming, a job change. I don't know. But God knows and you know, and maybe James 1.5 is it for you. Boy, I, I need wisdom, so I can run right in and I can ask my generous God to give me wisdom. And he'll do it, and he won't even rebuke me 
for asking, which means I can keep doing it over and over again. There's all kinds of verses like that on this helpful sheet. So if you don't know where to begin, if you don't have a copy of scripture, if that seems intimidating to you, start by grabbing this and just read through that. And again, that's available at Just For You. If you look at your talk notes section, here's another option. We provide for you every Sunday a Monday through Friday reading plan. Just some verses there. On Monday, you can read through that and circle, highlight, whatever you want to do. Verses that speak to you, jump into your heart. Normally, that plan is based on what we've been teaching. And so you'll see today that the Monday through Friday plan includes Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. You'll get to read some of that if you want to. And then John chapter 14, John chapter 16, and a couple of the Old Testament Proverbs. So if you're looking for a plan, again, we try to provide that for you every Sunday in the talk notes section. Here's another option. If you have kids in KidPoint, you know the papers they come home with? There's great stuff on the papers that you might like as adults as well. And things to read, and you can read that with your kids or read it on your own, however you want to work that. But I would encourage you, grab that and think through some of the stuff that your kids are bringing home. You might want to use that as part of your plan. Maybe you prefer something online. And so here's a couple of apps for you to consider. There is a version app. And it has literally hundreds of Bible reading plans that are seven-day plans or 31-day plans or yearly plans and different topics. And it's really good. And what you do is you sign up for that and it sends the reading to you for the day, which is great. You can get it right on your phone, your computer, whatever you want. And you can have your plan developed and delivered to you that way. They'll also follow up and tell you when you're behind, which is kind of annoying, but it's a good reminder to keep you accountable. You know, I got to catch up a little bit here. So that, that's the version app. There's another app called Read Scripture. It's an app that will take you through the entire Bible in one year. And it has videos and other information. It's really good. So if you've never read through the Bible in a year, maybe this is your challenge in a way for you to deepen your friendship with God by doing a challenging thing, and there's an app that will help you with it. If none of that sounds good to you, I found a great resource a couple of months ago. It's a book by Timothy and Kathy Keller. He is a theologian, a a writer, a teacher, and has written many books. This is a devotional called God's Wisdom for Navigating Life, and what he does is he just lists the day, January the 6th, and he walks you through different segments of Proverbs. And he prints the verse in there. He gives a little commentary on that, helps you think through it. And then there is a prayer. So I read today's, because I'm I'm enjoying this book. I'm using this with some other tools, but I'm I'm doing this book. Here's the prayer for today. I love this. It's really unique. Lord, I spend far too little time studying and meditating on your word. I don't know, Timothy Keller. We didn't, you know, we didn't collaborate on this. I thought it was really funny. Uh, I have no excuse. We always make time for the things we value most. So I ask your forgiveness for not loving your word and you as you have loved me. Teach me your truth, amen. This is a great book. You can buy it today. Out at the Just For You table, we're selling them for $10. It's a nice hardback book. If you don't have any plan at all, you go out there. I think there's only about 20 books left. First hour killed it. 
Like people were walking out with five books. I'm like, I don't, I don't think there should be a limit per family. But you, you buy as many as you want. And if you want to more, we're probably going to have to get more. So if you run out, you know, don't, don't get mad. We'll have some more next week. You'll just have to catch up on your reading plan. So that, that's all about the plans. Right? If you don't have a plan, probably not going to happen. So there's a lot of different things you can do. I, I think the encouragement here is do something. We're all different people. Between place and plan, I, just find something that works, that gets you for a few moments into the word of God, okay? And then finally, pick a verse. So as you have your place and your plan, you're gonna be reading. And I think what God does when we read scripture is that he just causes some words to jump into our mind and into our hearts. And sometimes it'll make you laugh, it'll make you cry, or it will critique, perhaps. It'll poke a little bit. And whenever you find that happening, that may be your verse. If it just encourages or critiques or pushes you to get a little bit closer to God, that very well could be your verse. So once you get your plan and your place, then you just begin reading. And what jumps out to you? You have time to do this over the next few weeks. We want to give you space to develop all of this. And the goal is that on January the 27th, the last Sunday of this month, we'll be able to come back and kind of commit to our verses for the year. And I think that'll be a fun time. Okay, three takeaways. Number one, pray for your verse. Pray for it, okay? That's good to do. God wants to give you something. So before you read, just pray and say, God, give me a verse today. Man, I need something to help me get through Monday or to get through this week because here's what's happening and God just give me a verse. I think he'll do it. Number two, read with bright eyes. Read with interest. Even if it's complex, read with interest. Timothy Keller, the author of the devotional, also said this in another book. We are reading and using the Bible rightly only when it humbles us, critiques us, and encourages us with God's love and grace despite our flaws. We all have flaws, all of us. So we're going to allow the word of God to critique that and to encourage us with God's love and grace. His word has that ability. So this is why we read with bright eyes, read with interest. And then finally, identify verses that move your heart. If you find yourself laughing over something or crying or deeply moved in some unique way, again, those are probably your verses. Okay? Next week, here's why I want you to be here. I'm going to share with you my life verse. I've chosen it from Isaiah chapter 26 this year, and I'm really excited about it. It, It's something that moved me, and I'm going to share that with you. I do that so you know I'm on the journey with you. I'm not just asking you to pick a verse or two to anchor your soul. I'm doing it as well, and I'm excited about my verse and hope to have it all memorized for you next week. So I'm going to share that. And then we're also doing something different that we've never done for life verse before. We started this in 2013. So this is our tradition. It's unique to Valley Point. But we've never done this before. I have chosen a life verse for our whole church. And I think you'll remember it because we've talked about it before. But I'm going to share that verse with you for our whole church. And that will be a theme for us throughout the year, and we'll come back to that quite a bit, and I'm going to ask you to re-memorize it, so we're all going to have some work to do. Last year, we had this theme of, if you want this to be your best year, 
then pursue having your best spiritual year. And if you have your best spiritual year, maybe this will be your best year. We're going to add to that this year by giving a scripture verse that will be a theme for us as we move through this new year. So I'm going to share that with you next week. I'm really excited about all of that. So please be here next week, okay? Can you do that? Great. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today and for the chance we have to look at something that was really important to Jesus. Scripture. He affirmed the Old Testament affirm the accurate recording of what was to come. And we want to value what Jesus valued. So give us a great few weeks as we journey together and pick a place and a plan. Help us to enjoy and find something that moves us. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.